It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is Time Enough Podcast. podcast where we delve into all the episodes of the twilight zone and beyond as always this is matt here uh coming back for another round is sean how are you yeah oh hey what's up man exciting (laughs) (laughs) hey viva lost twilight zone we're in the twilight zone tonight or again i should say yeah i was saying uh uh, before we start recording um i'm very glad you're here i think this will be a good conversation and I watched this episode not knowing what it was. And as I was watching it, I was sitting there thinking, oh, we have regular guests who live just south of the border. May- so just as a disclaimer, if I had known, yeah. I might have like switched the episodes a little bit. But here we are doing this. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> j- just doing a disclaimer. <laughs> I was in there, oh, OK. Um, but that, that's the thing. You know, there's some episodes that everybody knows. And you might I might even have to like flip a coin on which guest is on that because a few people asked for it. But uh, this is. This I figured that... um, I figured I had got this one because either A, people didn't know what it was, or B, they didn't know what it was, and were like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> That's yeah. what I figured. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, there, there's a few regular guests who I just assign episodes to, and there's a few regular guests that ask for them at the beginning of each season. And yeah, that is, I bet you can work out which ones are which. So <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm sure somebody suggested the dummy for the next one because that's a pretty big one dummy's been grabbed yeah 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 you'd went over me with the list earlier but i'm so oh, i was saying i'm sure that was one that was called out right away because that's a pretty big you know right pretty right. uh pretty big episode so i came in um one i don't agree with this um i don't know if he's watched mr dingle anytime recently but a few weeks ago my my father was like yeah i got ahead watching a few episodes and he thought this was the the dumbest one he'd seen which i don't agree with really it's it's not my favorite one by any means but it, it's not one of those ones where i'm like you know palm fisting my my forehead or whatever so face palming myself there i knew i got the thing wrong <laughs> yeah definitely i got bigger gripes with other episodes than i do with this one um this one is like middle of the road for me it's nothing good it's nothing great um and in the and it's it's kind of surprising it's written by rod serling it, that's right and it also showed not everything can be a winner with him you know well uh, i've definitely found the later half of the third season you can feel that maybe rod is not quite as engaged as he was for the first two and a half yeah seasons. and speaking of uh not as engaged this is buck houghton's last season too as producer he right, would go right. on to leave the series after season three because once they went to the hour format he was already getting burned out by then i guess yeah, so we're going to get into some weird waters, uh, keeping in mind that there are some extremely good episodes in those two seasons. But uh, yeah, I, I think we're already starting to see a little bit of fatigue at the end of season three and some very good episodes. I mean, I'm just looking at the list. Uh, I remember Changing yeah. the Guard being pretty good. This one's perfectly good to watch. The trade-ins. That, that and then they, they sneak in a, uh, um, is it Ray Bradbury? I think that's yeah, I, yeah, I the, the body they, they sneak in a script from him, but again, that's not necessarily stri- if you were to pick out of all Rod Ray Bradbury scripts, I don't know if that's one you would grab and be like, hey, I want this one. Well, spoiler, that is a requested episode as for as far as Ooh. the guests go on this one. So uh, <laughs> we we'll get there pretty soon. Uh I will read a bit of trivia just to get this okay. one rolling. Original air date was April twenty seventh, nineteen sixty two. As you said, uh script is a Serling. Alan H. Minor directed. He was all over 60s television with credits on shows like Mission Impossible and Perry Mason. I say the words Perry Mason so much on the show. <laughs> this <laughs> yeah. is his only Twilight Zone. The music is by Lorendo Almeida. Hopefully I said that correctly. He is a legendary Brazilian guitarist. I recognize his name even if I couldn't pronounce it uh, correctly. 
Uh, he helped develop Bossa Nova with Bud Shank and won Grammys in both jazz and classical categories. In terms of soundtracks, he supplied music for over 800 film and TV productions. Jeffrey Horn was Williams. He also appeared in films such as The Bridge on the River Kwai and The Strange One. This is his only time in the zone, though. Anthology series fans can also find him in the Outer Limits episode, The Guests. Pedro was played by Edmund Vargas. His resume is pretty short, uh, 11 credits on IMDb. Uh, they do include an episode or two of Wagon Train, Gunsmoke, and My Three Sons. Cliff Osman was Manalo. He appeared in over 100 films and TV shows, including a hippie on Ironside, and he showed up in Here's Lucy and All in the Family. The guitarist on screen was Vladimir Sokolov. This was his third Twilight Zone appearance, as he was also in Dust and the Gift. This episode may be the first posthumous appearance on the Twilight Zone, as Sokolov passed away two months before air date. Okay, I will share the screen and give you a prologue real quick me. just uh just to wrap up the trivia here uh the yes, boy sir. who played pedro edmund uh -huh. vargas i found this a little funny fact so he played on bob hope presents chrysler theater and he played as an indian boy so i don't know uh he plays mexican he plays indian whichever way you want to throw him well that was the thing with uh zoglov he was eastern european and <laughs> they would just like slot him in for any ethnicity yeah guess, russian french um uh, italian a couple, yeah, I saw that too. I guess they do that with um, Ben Kingsley these days. Uh, like you said, you were listening to us on the Love Guru, where we were like, why is he here? <laughs> <laughs> he owed a favor to the director, I don't know. Yeah, I guess everyone just wanted to, wanted to be in a Mike Myers movie in 2007, but not by the end of 2008. So You know, you know it's, it's times like these, I wish I could have that really dry mouth and and my teeth showing and talk that Rod Sterling voice. And <laughs> I can't do it as good as there's one guy on here that does it pretty good. I can't, you know, you got to get the mouth the correct way, the teeth showing the, I can't do it, but I will do a prologue. Just to tell you, I can't do it either. That's why I have other people do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The place is Mexico, just across the Texas border, a mountain village held back in time by its remoteness and suddenly intruded upon by the 12th century. And this is Pedro, nine years old, a lonely, rootless boy who will soon make the acquaintance of a traveler from a distant place. A distant place. Sorry about that. We are at present, at present 40 miles from the Rio Grande. But any place and all places can be the Twilight Zone. Oh, I'm going to just throw at you one more um, verbal typo you got. You said the 12th century. So the whole second, oh, oh. Half, the whole second half of the prologue, I was imagining like, you know, the twentieth century knights yeah, rolling knights rolling into this little mountain town. Well, I guess it kind of happened with Cortez and crew. So, <laughs> I guess some uh, dyslexia kicked in or something. I was yeah, jumbling that... letters together. <laughs> oh well, I mean, it, you know, when you're reading, and this wasn't even a long prologue either. <laughs> when you're reading type on screen, it's very easy to just start looking at the next line. You know, and yeah. Then, uh, <laughs> I, I think I tend to mush mouth the trivia a lot uh, in a similar manner but no i just started getting these images in my mind of uh the knights rolling into the town and i thought that was kind of fun um yeah of course in this episode it's an alien which i thought this was a pretty good alien vibe mainly because we've seen such goofy aliens in some recent episodes i i like the hocus pocus and frisbee aliens but they, they're a little goofy um <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, they're of... a little bit, a little bit goofiness. Um, the, I I kind of had the same thought when it came to alien when it came when it when it comes to aliens and the Twilight Zone. You, you kind of don't know what you're gonna get sometimes because you do have things like Mister Dingle the Mister Dingle the Strong. You'll have episodes like The Fugitive. <laughs> Sorry, cop there. You have these really like, I don't know these these cheap. That's all they could do because it was early sci-fi. They didn't have a lot to go off of. But these really cheap, wacky-looking Outer Limits-like effects, like creatures. And this one, I don't know. This alien kind of gives like a Jesus vibe. Yeah, <laughs> like, one of my yeah. notes says getting quite 
gaudy here. Um, I, yeah. I was inventing the word gaudy, I guess. I don't know. I had to yeah. look at my note twice, to be honest, but I worked it out. Um, I mean, so it's not a goofy looking alien like Mr. Dingle the Strong and the Fugitive, but um, I just noticed when you get the alien stories, you get a little bit of wackiness sometimes with Rod. Oh, it's a little, and, a little bit like the uh, the guy in the day the Earth stood still. Uh, although that guy has more power and agency, where this alien has uh, been shot and is on his back. So, yeah. And just to be clear, he was the guy that was when they were uh, when the officer was going over the um, everything that he had saw in the spaceship. He was the one that had laid on the ground and was shot, and then he came back to life and walked in the bar. Right. That was the same. I. Um... I think the body might have been the other officer, and this guy. Just oh, the other out. officer. Okay. Yeah, like that, it seems he. No matter how many times I've seen it, that part still kind of confuses me. Was he the guy laying on the ground, covered up, and that's why they're so shocked when he walks back in the bar? Not now. You're making me double take on it, but um, yeah. When I was watching, I had the, the body on the ground as the other officer, and then the mm -hmm. alien comes in, which I, I guess he did accidentally kill the uh, the officer. If, if I get it right, we didn't yeah. see that. That's all off screen action. So we don't really know. And the officer that is left standing and reporting all this before we get the uh, the title credits and everything. I don't know, man. He gives me Barney Fife vibes. <laughs> officer Barney Fife, oh, you know, from the Andy Griffith they, show. Yeah, yeah. They certainly don't paint this town as having well, needing law enforcement for the most part. So, yeah, it's, you know, like not obviously not much goes on here. So this is a extremely big event in this town i mean even um, when they bring in the other guys like why did you bring us here you know there's nothing going on <laughs> yeah and uh i like the at the beginning of the episode just leading the mule to say yeah yeah you're in mexico we got a donkey see hey they're wearing poncho see hey of course we're in mexico see uh that's the cheap the set design did look a little cheap oh this um, is very, very much look like you know some back lot stuff the first shot it's like i felt like i could like touch the matte painting you know yeah or like you could just knock over the like there's just little uh, cardboard cutouts holding up walls or something, just knock them over. But that could also partly be, you know, the thing about like um, just watching it in high definition. So yeah, uh, I know the grave. I could like see the corner of the wall and of, of the, uh, you know, when they had the. And you got it even higher, higher definition than I did because I only watched a Paramount version and a DVD version, and I don't know what quality Paramount version is in um, the Paramount app. But you watched the Blu-ray version, I take it, right? That's right. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm catching those details. I will say And I noticed like um sorry to cut you off there, but I noticed something like somebody had pointed out with the DVD set, like in Little Girl Lost. You actually saw the truck drawings on the raw on the wall before um the whatever that guy was, the neighbor, or whatever, before he started making all the chalk patterns on the wall, the you actually physicist. saw him before. Yeah, the physicist. Yeah. Oh, I, I was I correct about that? Okay. because uh, yeah. I Oh, so you had mentioned it too, okay? Because I've heard other people mention it. Okay, good. Because I was sitting there like, "Am I remembering it wrong?" Because I usually, yeah, depending on my schedule, I get one or two views of these, and typically, so um, yeah, sometimes like, oh, did I see that? So just just like today, which body was on the ground? <laughs> <laughs> um, the, although I will say it might be my player, but it doesn't happen with other stuff where my Twilight Zone Blu-rays will sometimes um just pause for a few seconds for some reason it happened in this episode and i thought it was a dramatic pause at first but it just kept going and going i think it's like the boy asked um the alien a question or something or, or the other way around but there's this dramatic pause and i was like oh my blu-ray stuck <laughs> <laughs> so the way uh the bartender manilo is that how you say his name manilo? cliff osman uh so manilo Mon i think that i gotta scroll down and i can tell you but i think yeah i think you might be right uh dun 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 Manilo, you're right. Yeah. Uh he seemed like a real jerk. And uh the way you talked to the boy and stuff like that. And heck you doing stargazer. When you're looking there up at the stars, they didn't ever tell you how to sweep with a broom or pick up a glass. It, it makes me <laughs> think of the uh the Bill Hicks thing where he's like, Yeah, I'm sitting in a waffle house in the deep south, and the, the waitress comes up and said, What are you reading for? <laughs> it's like, oh, that's an interesting question. Not what am I reading? No, it's like, why are you reading or something? Yeah. <laughs> what, you, what you reading for? It's like, I've never been asked that. I guess it's so. I get a lot of information, become smarter and don't have to be a waffle waitress. <laughs> and then one thing I did think was funny, too, was when his character got hit over the head with uh, the bottle. Because when after he uh, acted like he was going to serve the guy some wine, he was going to serve the foreign visitor, the alien, some wine. 
he dropped the bottle and the bottle didn't break and that house somehow surprised him he went to go run off and then the alien grabs the bottle and hits him over the head <laughs> like that's well, not helping your cause bro they already think you're strange that that bar keeps uh prop bottles around only well i guess prop one's supposed to break easily though so i'm getting yeah. it backwards no but yeah mono monolo manolo however we're gonna say it uh um, yeah he i mean they do call him judas in the episode so they're not really trying to portray him as a uh sympathetic figure at any particular point uh, he's, no. i mean it's kind of like the guy in uh dust uh who gets a little bit of redemption unlike this guy but just you know it's the the out west small town you know screwball basically the, the guy you yeah. want to avoid so yeah i think that was thomas gomez yeah the one in dust because he also played in a previous episode too Mm, that 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 might have been it. He also um, played uh, an escape clause. Yeah, right. Um, I, I did want to just kind of run by how the acting comes through in this one. That that was one thing I couldn't put my finger on. Like you said, um, Zokolov and his bit as the guitarist. What Ignat, Ignat, Ignacio? I didn't actually write that down, but um, yeah, you said him and Osmer are quite good, which I would agree with. Um. How, how how was her child acting in this one? I mean, the kid was definitely supposed to be. It creeped me out, man. Weird. I thought yeah. the I thought the kid was an alien. Like I I really think the kid was an alien too, and that's the like how he like knew to be so nice to this guy, and they already call him Stargazer and Moonwatcher and everything. So I'm like, I think there's already something a little iffy about this kid, and I think he already had a connection with the alien. Not <laughs> saying they were from the same planet, but I but wanted he... to believe this kid was an alien somehow. You get a few of those vibes, which might have been intentional. In the end, I would just say he was extremely spacey. I mean, you know, yeah. today you would assume he's a bit on the spectrum, which I yeah, don't yeah. think they were thinking of in 1962. But yeah, but, hey, maybe they would. The last episode had a uh, mental health PSA, which I also wouldn't expect in 1962. So, <laughs> well, and then uh, one of the upcoming episodes, you're going to get a Mama's Boy episode. <laughs> <laughs> radio young man's fancy uh so that's guess, uh that's a pretty strange one when you guys get to that one i, I actually did give that one view because i i had to call off recording so that one will probably get three views but uh yeah i have had my first one and yes he he's a bit of an odd one uh but yeah, yeah you know when you have a child act with 11 credits it's some and he's playing a kid that's supposed to be weird in the first place it's kind of like i'm not sure i mean look uh, i'm gonna go ahead and say did a good job because it works well in the episode but <laughs> yeah or he was directed well or a combination of both but uh um about jeffrey horn um he was he also had a bit of odd about him being the the alien i guess he yeah a little alien which works well <laughs> um i wonder how he knew to go inside the bar and ask for wine too like is that already a thing on his home planet like yeah give me me a glass of wine maybe the, when he, he was researching earth he was very excited about that I don't yeah know. and then you know he probably had one regret on this whole trip too Getting you know when he gives pedro the gift he tells him he doesn't tell him what it is but he's like i'll explain later i bet you yeah. by the end of the episode he was regretting not telling him earlier that gift was <laughs> yeah that that's a bit too much plot armor it's just like i can't tell you yeah. now because this needs to be the twist so I'll tell yeah. you late, or I won't tell you later. You'll have to find out a different way. <laughs> you know what? Like this episode can be so dumb and like not that great, but it's so it's one of the episodes that's most relevant in today's world. Because look, how would people react if there was an alien coming to this planet trying to give us vaccines and we didn't know it? It's not like we would be like, oh, we come in peace. Like we've seen movies that made about this, you know. <laughs> we're either going to act in peace or they're going to and they're going to turn on us or we're not going to act in peace we're going to be hostile and it just it never works out well yeah like this episode takes for 1962 it, it does take a few steps towards at least trying to be more profound sci-fi um the script isn't the best serling and it's a it's a little wonky but i feel like it is trying to be intelligent sci-fi yeah uh, but and and on those terms, I was like, oh, it's kind of an anti-Roddenberry thing, and that the people in this are horrible, and the, I mean, you know, the aliens are more like the Roddenberry ideal. Although he he doesn't have good protocol, he certainly doesn't know how to do a first contact, so he ends up dead. Um, yeah. Although I guess in Star Trek, it's like the future people are are idealistic, not necessarily the present day people, but. And um. 
I had somebody bring up something with Star Trek, though. How did they always know how to communicate with every other different planet? Because uh, I'm not, a, I don't follow Star Trek that closely. So, is there like a loophole that got around that? How they were able to understand everybody's language? They're they're supposed to have a uh, universal translators, which uh, <laughs> the original series I don't know that because it's just they got a cloth badge, but their badge in the later ones is supposed to translate for them. Oh, okay. So they're probably hearing like the real voice and the tinny voice. Um, Sometimes it's like, oh, you actually learn to speak Klingon. You're not just using the Universal Translator, which I can and again live in Japan because a lot of times, uh, you know, phones are good enough now. I can usually snap a picture and translate, or if I need to get a point across, I can use my phone as as a bit of a Universal Translator in Japan because my Japanese is um, embarrassingly still pretty not good. So yeah. <laughs> my Japanese is embarrassingly bad so yeah oh yeah but living, <laughs> you know, yeah no i know you live there but no i've been following this japanese wrestling company for almost a year and uh, no i haven't picked up any japanese stuff i except i know what momo means you know isn't that okay. peach or something yeah that's peach momo, momo taro yeah. Yeah. well no there's this chick uh momo wanatabe oh, she's okay, like the okay. black peach or something right right oh okay kura momo kura would be black so i mean i know a few words but uh yeah, yeah. I, in general i i I assume, well, I guess how I'm using my phone is probably how they are actually communicating with these aliens on uh, Star Trek. The, yeah. the last season, the new season of Discovery is about to come out, but the last season of Discovery um, had, had a good se uh, sequence of episodes where they're trying to communicate with an alien that they cannot use the Universal Translator with. Although I know. Uh... Also complain they are ripping off Arrival a little bit, but hey, rip off smart sci-fi. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> Before we jump off the Star Trek topic real quick, uh, or Star Trek, I always want to say track. Why do I always want to say Star Trek? <laughs> but um, Star Trek, uh, I've seen a lot of the original and all the spinoffs. If I had to devote my time to one, like whether it's Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Next Generation, what would you say devote the time to? Enterprise, like which one? At the end of the day, uh, probably next gen TNG is the one to go with. Um, okay. Starting with season three, and then maybe spiraling. Well, watch the pilot, but then then go to season three, and once you're into it, maybe go back to season one and two. There are yeah. some very good ones, especially in season two, but it's a lot less consistent until it gets to season three. So, yeah. Voyager and Enterprise, I always remember being advertised the most because uh, when I used to watch wrestling, uh, like in the early two thousands, uh, like WWF. And they, I think they were on UPN, so yes, they always got UPN. advertised. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and like Rock was like doing a uh, like a wrestling move one time on Voyager, I think, or Deep Space Nine. He's on the Voyager <laughs> last season. Voyager. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say for the Twilight Zone fan, the original series or Voyager are probably the better bets because Voyager is the trippiest of Star Treks. They certainly have the. I, I would say they have the most uh, Twilight Zone episodes, and, and the original series has a few just by virtue of probably being in you know, the same era of TV production and being a sci-fi. Yeah. Um, and then that's one of the reasons I like watching Space 1999. Some of those get very Twilight zone -y, which Yeah, you I know, once you guys wrap that up, that podcast, I'm probably going to go and seek those episodes out because I'm following the podcast episode by episode. I'm like, you know, I don't know if I'll watch season two, but every season one episode you guys have talked about, I kind of am interested yeah, they're all on YouTube. So that that's one thing. The Twilight Zone is not oh, nice. on YouTube. It's still a, a prime, uh, kind of a prime source. Uh, yeah, I mean they got a ride. At, well, they did. <laughs> there is a step up with you can get. There's more free access to Twilight Zone now in America because you can use the Pluto TV app, which has everyone minus season four, or you minus can use the free. Weird. Yeah, or you can use you can do uh, the free V app, which is like a spinoff free app of Amazon Prime. Okay, and that has every season, including season four. But you just get ads with it. Uh, yeah. Well, no, I I've become such a physical <laughs> media guy. Just like like I was telling yeah. you before the proper episode, I just bought. It's just I wish packaging can get better when you buy longer seasons. Like it seems like the packaging is what's like they'll sell you a cheap set, but then unless you get like a definitive edition or something where they're each packaged like individually. Some complete sets will just have stacked DVDs, and I'm like, like I literally have the three. I have the Three Stooges collection. They're literally like 50 DVDs just stacked on top of each other. That's how the Voyager, the Voyager ones, in pretty weirdly packed. And my Twilight Zone is in this black case. It immediately yeah. came out of yeah. the commercial. I think it was it cracked when I got it. it yeah, I think the only good packaging with the Twilight Zone was the Definitive Edition that came out like the 90s or the early 2000s. 
Right. Because right. you got each season individually packaged. Or like Night Gallery. I got Night Gallery, and that was only three seasons. So that's that's pretty well packaged, too. Yeah, that one I still have in its proper packaging. The 80s yeah. Twilight Zone's in its proper packaging. So yeah. Um, so yeah, it's kind of weird. But yeah, I, I just more and more. I, I, I think people are starting to realize like streaming is screwing with you. You think you have something and then you don't. Or you have yeah, like, that's a weird what, form. That's what I hate, like when the rights expire on something. And yeah, then like, like it's like best you have it, or you never know who's gonna get canceled or and I um recently was um listening to someone talking about the state of streaming and mentioning if you wanted to watch all of the Despicable Me Minions movies, mm -hmm. you would have to go to like three or four different streaming services. There's like no place you could just watch all wow, of them. Wow, and here I thought Peacock would have had them because I thought Peacock owned all that. Uh, that was five stuff. months ago or so when I heard that. So who knows? Maybe it's changed by now. Yeah. <laughs> and now Illumination just came off with another spinoff, uh, Migration with about ducks and stuff. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> They're making yeah. the movies. Yeah. It, it, we don't, we, maybe we need the water cooler entertainment again, or just, you know, that's, that's going to be the next big thing when everyone does decide to watch or, you know, watch the same thing. Yeah. Uh, I guess uh, just to get back to the episode a little bit, I, I, I think we're betraying that there's not like a ton to talk about with this episode. Uh, we haven't gotten to the end yet, so we'll, we'll definitely do that. But um, I'm just looking at the beginning. Oh, when they, at the beginning, when they're talking about broken bushes, I, I started wondering if that was like an early version of crop circles. Like maybe this guy <laughs> had been making some crop circles in the, um, in the what do they have? cornfields or whatever I, yeah I don't know. We, we like don't in know that movie signs that. with mel gibson and joaquin phoenix oh yeah um, yeah yeah. that has a fun one so that has a fun alien too. i can't believe that movie is already 22 years old signs <laughs> like oh oh ouch yes it is okay dating me now <laughs> no i was just watching uh something i forgot yeah yeah to, to time just spirals as as you get older i guess is the main yeah. thing you know so, um one thing i noticed I, I was totally down for a Mexican episode of the Twilight Zone, but just this is the one I wanted. <laughs> like uh, anytime we go to Mexico or we go to a different place, it's kind of cool. But just with the cheap set design, it was just like, ah, yeah. Yeah, it's like I, mean, I, I didn't like feel I'm like getting, I was in Mexico. <laughs> I'm getting a full on like um, Hollywood version or I'm from Atlanta yeah. and um, at the, at the sort, South north carolina border on i-95 is this ridiculous tourist trap called uh south of the border which uh i think their mascot's called pedro and it's, it's probably kind of offensive now and the food there's terrible but it's just like <laughs> gaudy and it's uh yeah it, it, it's definitely a spectacle but so this episode is better than that but not a whole lot better i think again i haven't been in the area i don't really know uh, you were saying, how would this be if they made it today? I think now it'd probably be in a Nebraska town. You know, you'd want to put it with the uh, the the. I, I feel like it, they put this one in America now for some reason. Am I am I wrong? <laughs> this episode already did happen. It took place in Roswell, New Mexico. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> they still got the craft in the body. Yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah, it is interesting though. I, I now that you're mentioning, I'm kind of wondering if if Rod was a. Uh, drawing a bit of the line of uh of roswell in here because you got the crash ship uh theoretically the the government could get hold of that in this case maybe it would be the mexican government i don't know but uh yeah and you have the the alien corpse by the end uh i never heard about a cure to cancer with the roswell incident but you know they probably wouldn't tell us if that happened for sure well mm -hmm. he gave us a cure for cancer and we burnt it oops <laughs> <laughs> Uh, nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> no, no, and, and that's that's one of the nice lines, and probably one of the best lines ever in the Twilight Zone. And again, it comes out of this episode, but it's uh, when he says, um, "We have not just killed a man; we have killed a dream." Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I thought that was pretty powerful when I saw that. And then the image that got me is the guy that shoots him. Um, you watch his finger shaking on the trigger trigger for a full second or two. And yeah. I thought that was effective. It wasn't just that he shot it, but it's almost like he might have, you know, somewhere between accidentally and intentionally yeah. shot him, you know? Well, he got, uh, and that's a relative to today's, you know, world too, an uh, officer that's in fear of his life, a young rookie officer that doesn't really know what he's doing. Uh, there's a situation he could be in fear of something else, could be in fear of his life. And he's just sitting there, itchy trigger finger, and then boom, when somebody yells, you know, like, 
And it there's a lot of officers these days. I'm not I'm not going to get too political here, but there's not a lot. There's a lot of officers that shouldn't be carrying guns around these days that don't deserve that honor. You know. Well, I live in a country where the officers do not carry guns, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I'm not for I am not for defund the police, though. I will say that I'm not about all that. No, I think I, I think it's the same in England. Uh, I guess I could ask Luke, but I believe if if they really feel they need a gun, you go back to the police office and get them out of the locker. <laughs> and we know the biggest disturber was in this whole mob crowd. It was that woman in black. I don't know if she had a name in this episode, but the one where she's like, "Oh, he's going after the boy!" Like that's what caused that officer to go shoot. Like, like, oh, I guess I got to do something. Then it's like he barely moved. He wasn't going after nobody. Like. He was just like, show him, show him what I gave you, show him the gift. Ah, he's dragging the boy out. <laughs> it made me think of the uh, early South Park episode where he's coming right for us, and then they shoot the game because <laughs> you can only shoot the animal if they're attacking you. So, yeah, um, sort of that thing. Uh, I guess I'll get to my questions in a moment, but did you have any other big observations you wanted to put out on this one? No, just other than between the woman in black and. Uh... Manolo, Manolo, the bartender, those two seem like the biggest uh, jerks in this. Like Everybody else probably could have gave the alien a nicer time, but when you had those two being kind of how they were, it was hard. And I thought everything was kind of rushed. I know we only got 25 minutes minus commercials, but you literally went from like him being in the bar to like him being in this bed to the bartender calling the cops to them having a standoff on the outside when he tries to give him the gift and make him believe that he's got this cure for the world, uh, vaccines against cancer and stuff. So it, it feels very rushed. Like uh, not saying it should have been a longer episode, but it just, it felt a little rushed. Everything was kind of boom, bam, boom. Yeah. We might be eating our words, but in season four, I, again, I don't know. I've only seen two or three of the hour long ones. There's a couple season fours that needed the time to play out. Yeah. There's a couple. Yeah. But I know there's a few that definitely like when you get to on Thursday, we leave for home that needed an hour because that's like a psychological dissecting episode, right? Like you're in the psyche of someone. So that that's not something you're going to wrap up in 25 minutes. Actually, I was sitting here thinking, I guess maybe as my last random observation is if the alien were a little more um, puppety, weird looking, you know, with him and the kid and the, the authorities chasing them, we'd we'd kind of have a proto E.T. going on here. Yeah, I mean, we kind of do, except that instead of looking like a or or I think you guys have covered this episode before. Yeah, you guys have covered the episode, The Fugitive. Uh, The character J. Pat O'Malley, if it was like an old man looking alien, would they have been as, you know, sketchy about him or would they be like, oh, look at this old man. He's so innocent. Yeah, (laughs) you won't hurt nobody. Are important, aren't they? Yeah. (laughs) Well, uh. I guess my first question on this will be who went through the twilight zone in this episode? Well, this is, gets weird. Um, I want to say nobody went to the twilight zone, but then again, somebody had to go to the twilight zone in this village. Cause you just saw an alien from another planet, even though he wasn't an alien form. Right. Or is the alien in the twilight zone? That was going to be my answer. Uh, I think it helps that Pedro is kind of weird. The person who you associate with and the person who's thinking you basically understand, except for the wine thing, like you mentioned, (laughs) is is the alien. I mean, that's the one that's the sympathetic character here. So uh, it's like it's like a Star Trek mission gone horribly wrong in this case, because he didn't have the right protocols, probably. But, yeah, I felt like I was sympathizing with him. So the, the villagers are more like from the Twilight Zone in this. The villagers, well, at too, the same uh, time, they act too real in some ways because, like you said, people would flip out in this way if they thought they had an alien around. <laughs> I got two vibes from the mob. That's what I'm calling the mob. <laughs> the villagers. They gave me the like the mom. the mob from Frankenstein vibes. Or and when they were all shooting, uh, when they had all their guns at the end, the officers. Frau they gave Buchler? me like, uh, what were you saying? Is it Frau Buchler? Is that her name? <laughs> 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 oh yeah, the the lady. And then um the other vibes that gave me was Halloween four when uh all those officers had Michael Myers and they gunned him down when he was outside the school or whatever. They were already just like unloading. <laughs> no, he didn't. No. Well, unless unless him stabbing you is the cure. I don't know. 
that was one of those jumping the gun moments too. Hey, he's in the school. <laughs> there was nobody in the school, but this what's he doing by the school? <laughs> Let's shoot this crazy. But yeah, but yeah that's um. Oh, go ahead. go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. I, I think, but like when I asked the question, I was like, "Oh, it's the alien." So I guess I'm gonna be on that side that Williams is the person or the alien who went through the Twilight Zone. This, <laughs> yeah, unless Pedro, man, he's always been in the Twilight Zone. I feel like yeah, he's that so stargazer. Tricky. Uh-huh. <laughs> maybe because he didn't have a lot of dialogue either i don't know like he just it, like when he did speak it wasn't a lot it was very drifty and that, that's why yeah. i was like is this kid a good actor or a bad actor i can't quite tell because his character is so odd his parents like forced him into acting when he was young and then when he was wise enough to realize he's like i don't want to do this mom and dad could have been <laughs> i don't know but uh again again i think he works in this episode so it doesn't really matter what his actual skill level was um <laughs> Yeah. Well, let's first, I guess, say, does the alien deserve, if we're going by by my opinion, does the alien deserve his trip into the twilight zone? Well, um, we're going to define it. Well, this trip is that he deserve the end of his trip. Well, a lot of <laughs> how his trip a lot ended. Of trips end, a lot of trips end this way in the twilight zone, don't they? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I think a little bit, yes. We've been talking so much Star Trek in this episode because they would do this a little more smartly, um, <laughs> I think. But then, well, oh, plus know, we would also get an hour to dissect it too. Yeah, 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 and, and of course we would be the aliens in that episode. I don't think we. Yeah. The, this would be an alien planet uh, in in that episode, but I. He's so not. I guess he's being not careful because he's carrying a cure to cancer. I guess. But then I think, uh, yeah, he seems he seems like a amateur at doing the salient stuff, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he had good intentions at first because he's like, if I come off having Jesus vibes. <laughs> so I'll mur- they'll see I'll me as a murder, but maybe accidentally, but I'll kill a guy and, and see how that works as an introduction. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know what? The way he got hit with that wine bottle, that bartender, uh, Manolo, Manolo, um, I'm surprised that bottle didn't break. It didn't break when it hit the floor. It didn't break over that guy's head. That's his alien powers, maybe. I don't know. He's got a yeah. a glass inducer around him or something. Keeps it all together. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that that's my deserve question. I, I'm gonna ask if you would like to put anyone else under the the uh, microscope of that question. No, well, guess I'm good with that one. Okay. Let's do a tripometer on it then. Zero to five, zero being not trippy, uh five being extremely trippy. Uh where do you want to put this one? Hmm. I would have to say it's zero for me personally. Mm-hmm. But for the villagers and for the aliens, it might be a tripometer of one for them because they're out of their element. One they're both seeing um something foreign on the other side. Okay. That they I don't know. know. But as far it... as what we're tripping on, I don't think we're tripping on anything. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, that's that's cool. I'm going to put a gentleman's 2.5 because I feel like, especially in 1962, this was kind of an interesting and different way to portray an alien. Like I said, this you know, aliens are not usually shown as being like sympathetic visitors. Even in the day the Earth stood still, he um, you know, he kind of threatens to destroy us all. Well, think of how many uh. <laughs> You said they weren't. We weren't used to something like this, but ha- think of how many times it kind of became played out with uh, the whole boy befriends an alien gets misunderstood. You know, like what you're mentioning earlier, ET. You know? Right, but that's 20 years later, so yeah. I feel like this is an early example of that. So yeah. maybe maybe I am trying to make my score relate to the 1962 viewer of this, who might be yeah. a little bit like, oh, the. I would say like- what what would make it a little trippier is if he did something like in the Fugitive, where he transferred to his alien form. Or if he like turned into something, just to show like, okay, he is really a, like we know he's alien, but just to be like, okay, now you know, yeah, you got the green head, you got the funny ears, you got the whatever. I kind, but like I said, I kind of like they didn't do that in here because we, I ended up like mostly associating with the alien in this episode, so uh, yeah, <laughs> it's I didn't have to. You know, but then you get people. You know, it's not too long before you get to Spock. He's got the pointy ears and eyebrows, and people, you know, dig Spock, right? So yeah. <laughs> um, I did have a IMDb review to read on this. I know you usually do this on films and filth, but yeah, go for it. I found one. 
This one is 10 out of 10. That's why I had to go for it. Okay. So, And I don't know if this person's being serious or not. What if there were life on another planet? If you are new to the Twilight Zone, I do not want to give the story away, but what if a visitor from another planet really was just visiting, wanting us to help? How would we view the visitor? This episode was, is one of the greatest ever Twilight Zone episodes, especially if no one has xenophobic tendencies and believes that all centen- centennial, I think life it says, should work together after, uh, for the common good. It will bring you to tears by the end. Okay. Yeah, it, it, that is a little hard to tell if that's off the record. But uh, <laughs> yeah, for me... I like how they put in there, if you're not a xenophobe. <laughs> yep. <laughs> while, we're, while we're taking things from other podcasts, um, we have a lot of Mission Log folks here, and, and the question on Mission Log is, does this episode hold up? Where this one, it just holds up. That's that's kind of where I would put it. it the it, message holds up, but the overall episode might not. But the the message that Rod is trying to say, like, I think, like, even then, like, you knew we're not going to approach a foreign land visitor, um, in any way, but we know how, you know. Yeah, it's just I, it hostileness, kind of. I guess I'm putting this one at like fifty one percent, like it's in the better half of the Twilight Zone, but only just. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um. Uh, I was surprised it had a 6.7 rating, I think, whereas there's some episodes like, I I don't mind the episode Sounds and Silences. I actually think that's a little bit better than this episode, but that's only got like a 5.9 on IMDb. um, It might, you know, another thing watching this, I had just before, uh, another thing I was mentioning to you is I I had watched the Coen Brothers movie, Hail Caesar, which features a lot of sets, you know, like you see them making different kinds of movies. Um, and that might have kind of transferred because I watched that, took a bath, I guess, and then watched this. So yeah. the settiness of it didn't bother me because I had just watched. Well, it. that's fine. It's just like, um, like some of the Western episodes too. You know, it's just, I don't know. Sometimes the, I don't mind if it's got the play look to it, but sometimes when you could tell it's on a set, I don't know that can bug me. Like, um, Showdown with Rance McGrew or something. You could tell that was on the Hollywood back lot. Or that one um, they had that was on the same back lot as Back to the Future, that one episode from season one that I'm blanking on right now. Oh, I think that's Where Is Everybody. That's the first one, I think, yeah. Because mm. they were still at Universal when they did that one. It's either that or I think it might be Mr. Denton on Doomsday. Yeah, I could be wrong, but you might be right, too. Yeah, so, some of them go oh, um, quite well. So I do have something to ask you while we're still in the zone here. Sure. Um, is Twilight Zone Marathon a thing in Japan on New Year's? Twilight Zone is not much of a thing in Japan. I think it's actually. Mm-hmm. I think the Japanese style is like mystery zone. Um, weirdly, I've never been a marathon guy. Um, I mean, I've been in Japan for fifteen years. Where no, we don't have them. So yeah, it's it's more like I put a few on. Um, growing up, it would have been, I guess, more of the Star Trek marathon that was on on, you know, UHF. Well, as far as I know, it's always been sci-fi. But a lot of people stay from sci-fi away from sci-fi now because they butcher the episodes for time purposes and everything. Oh no! So you have other options like Pluto and stuff. Well, like literally, like the Howling Man transformation scene, they'll take that out of the sci-fi version where he's transforming into the devil. Okay, glad I have my physical media. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or like uh, the Living Doll episode with the Talkie Tina doll, like when they had the doll getting put into a vice and lit on fire and stuff. They cut all that out. Oh no! That's, and uh... then I heard uh, this one might be a little more understandable because we've changed in the world, but they cut out the word retard from Nick of Time of William Shatner. Uh, yeah, you can see where you. Yeah, you can kind of see decision. that one a little more yeah. understandable. Yeah, if you got to make a cut, uh, yeah. I know Mark has mentioned on Simpsons when they're cut for sim- syndication, they'll they'll cut the irrelevant parts that also happen to be like the funniest parts. You know what I've also heard too, because Disney here, Disney's got all the rights to all the episodes of Simpsons to stream, except for the newest season. They'll always have the past like thirty something seasons, and um, I with wife heard they've edited them on Disney, so. Which would make sense because it's Disney. Yeah, no, I haven't seen a new Simpsons episode for a good ten plus years. So not saying I sh- maybe I should, but I haven't. Which yeah, seems. To well, what do they say is usually the sweet thing. spot, like seasons one to seven or one to ten or something? Uh, more, just... more, more like three to ten. The yeah. first couple are, are a little shaky. Yeah, one is a little forgettable, I guess, except for the. I think uh, is that one the one where Bart gets an F? I think that episode's in that one. Yeah, uh, it's where he's trying, while, where he's trying hardest. Here. He's trying his hardest not to fail, and he still fucking fails. Sorry, I know, drop by no a <laughs> Uh I, I know my um 
DVDs start at season three. So one and one and yeah. two I haven't thought about for some time. <laughs> but uh I know I watched one a lot when it was on air. Support physical two, media, everybody. Yeah. If you can. If you can't, I understand. But if you can, hell, I still use a VCR, damn it. Oh wow. Okay. I haven't although my daughter's been getting into taping cassette taping things off the radio. So, you know, there's a fourteen year old. Oh, that's right a now. flashback, right? There's you should tell <laughs> yeah. her to make a mixtape. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> Um, I guess I'll wind this one down unless you want to throw out any final points. Um, I guess that is it. You're going to have some better ones coming up. You're going to have a little bit of a stinker coming up, but then you're going to have some better ones. Like, obviously, this next episode you're going to cover is the dummy. So Right, right. Which, you uh, mean you got Uncle Ben on that episode in Spider-Man? In Spider-Man oh, yeah, yeah. Cliff Robertson's back. I, they did say yeah. that. That they made him and, the marquee at the uh, bumper at the end of this. You know, that's what I don't know how uh, Rod says knowledgeable you are with Gomer Powell and all that, but Sergeant Carter from going Gomer Powell's on episode two. I know I saw it, you know, when I was like eight because it was on. <laughs> I'm like this 30 year old who likes to watch things from the 60s and the 70s. I don't know. I'm an old man in a young guy's body. <laughs> yeah, there's a few people that are into that vibe. So. <laughs> I never pictured I'd be this guy that just sits around and watch Hitchcock and Twilight Zone and uh, Thriller and just Night Gallery and all these old stuff. <laughs> old there is there is something nice to I mean now everything has got to be epic serialized television. There's something very nice to just being able to throw on a movie or an episode of something and and, and it is completely self contained. I mean that's kind of nice, you know, like yeah. You can just go watch any Mission Impossible or original Star Trek episode, but say Discovery um, can be very good, but you can't usually just pop in and watch a random episode. You gotta like watch a season, which is yeah, a little bit more of a commitment. I gotta get the update. Want to make? Have they released Oppenheimer yet <laughs> in your area? Have they released it yet? Apparently, they're going to in a month or two. It's still not out, but they're going to. So um, that. I- was such a great movie, man. I, I watched both those and that and Killers of the Flower Moon. I think Oppenheimer was better. Killers of the Flower Moon, I don't think it had right to be any longer than Oppenheimer. I don't I, think it needed to be longer. I did I did see Oppenheimer, uh, which I yeah. <laughs> but uh because uh, you know, using some other means. Yeah. Uh Killers of yeah. the Flower Moon, not yet. I, I wanted to see that in the theater. It did show in Japan, but it showed for one week and I missed it. So oops. Oh damn. Um, oh well. Last what I do last week I went to see Wonka just because I hadn't been in the theater for a while. I wanted to see a movie. So um, Yeah, I got two free movie credits because my last month one rolled over. So I'm going to see two movies this month. I just haven't decided which one I want to see yet. I might have gone to see I might see one. Well, I might have gone to see one tomorrow. Sorry, that's really weird tense. Basically <laughs> I have the time tomorrow night, but I already <laughs> looked at the listings and there's nothing I want to see. So <laughs> Yeah. But um yeah, I guess I'll shut this one down for today. Sorry for the audio listeners, by the way. I had about three coughs in this episode. I should have muted myself. <laughs> oh, I didn't notice them. So um, okay, I just I just luck away with my microphone because I can, and nobody yeah. hears it because this microphone only. I got like this mute really button I can click on here, but I never yeah, use yeah. it as often. No, my mute is just like go away from the microphone for a second. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anyway, as for this, it is Time Enough Podcast. You can support us on Patreon at Podcastio Podcastius, where you get episodes of this early with a little more chit-chat. Films and Filth we mentioned, that's where we talk about the top 100 and bottom 100 movies as rated by IMDb users. We mentioned Space 1999 a little bit. That is Podcast 1999, where we talk about episodes of that. And there's some video game ones with Luke Loves Pokemon, Hyrule Field Report, and game game show where gamers game each other about the games, which I, I know you're following what all two or three of the gaming ones. I follow two, but I don't follow game game show. And for other people that are interested, they did an update on a uh, monster hunter. Okay. Oh they, yeah. There, there yeah, we go. <laughs> so because a new one of those games are coming out. So I'm sure there'll be, that will be another series when that game comes out. Yeah. In the, in the podcast world, I am the, the least gamery. So I can just rely on, on you to update people on those. <laughs> I mean, I don't, uh, I play a few casual games with my iPad. That's about it these days, you know, on the train or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway, if you see an alien and he's not shooting at you, don't shoot at him. Although he did. Because he might have a gift guy. for you and it might he be vaccines. Shoot, he did shoot that one guy, though. <laughs> <laughs> but who shot first? <laughs> mm. 
JR. <laughs> Off to 